Habakkuk chapter 1. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law unto themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cav cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. This is God's word. Uh, well, I heard about this uh, conversation between a daughter and her father last week. Uh, this father, he lives in an apartment block and he spoke to his daughter for years and years. He's been speaking about these friendly encounters he's been having with Mike. Now, Mike's another resident in the apartment building that he lives in. And the father really, really likes Mike. And what she's only just found out after many, many years is that Mike's a dog, an unexpected surprise. I also heard about Claire. Claire uh, has a British accent. She's never lived in Britain. Uh, but one day, uh, a friend of hers went to visit Claire uh, and noticed that her parents didn't have a British accent either. And so Claire asked, where did your accent come from? And Claire said that her parents imitated British accents from her birth until she was seven years old because they really wanted a child who spoke with a British accent. Another unexpected twist. Now, these are a bit of fun, but how do you feel when the unexpected happens? When something happens that you wouldn't believe if you were told beforehand, would you love it because you're the kind of person that loves to fly by the city of pants. You love acting on instinct. 
or would you hate it? Would you disdain it because you'd rather plan every detail? Well, as we continue to read through the book of Habakkuk uh, this morning, we'll see that God works in unexpected ways. He does things many wouldn't have believed possible. Uh, Last week, we started looking at the book of Habakkuk, uh, and he's a a pre-exilic prophet. That is, he spoke before the Babylonian exile. In fact, uh, in the reading today, we actually saw that the judgment kind of comes at the hands of the Babylonians. Uh, And it's because of the timing of things, it's because of the dates that we know when Babylon uh, wiped out Judah, that we know, we are aware that Habakkuk spoke during the reign of King Jehoiakim. He was the king of Judah at that time. Now, Jehoiakim, we saw last week, he was an evil, wicked king who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Jehoiakim was ruthless, selfish, dishonest, oppressing, arrogant. He disregarded God and his word. So much for the king who was meant to lead his people in the ways of the Lord. And so Habakkuk, knowing that the king was meant to lead the people in the ways of the Lord, he instead, instead of seeing that, he he saw violence and injustice, destruction, the wicked reign, and that really travelled Habakkuk. Uh, In my uh, personal Bible reading uh, last week, I've been reading through the book of uh, Deuteronomy, and and Deuteronomy, who was written by Moses, uh, speaks about God's requirements for his people. God has rescued them out of slavery and is about to bring them into their own land that God was giving them. And God speaks of the blessings and curses, uh, the blessings for those who obey God's word and the curses for those who disobey God's word, his instruction. And while the the blessings take up half a page, well, actually the curses, curses take up two and a half pages. And as Habakkuk sees the evil and wickedness happening around him, he calls out to God, how long will this go on for, Lord? Verse 2. How, why do you tolerate um, wrongdoing? Verse 3. And so Habakkuk, he's really calling out to God about the injustice and violence he sees because it doesn't seem to fit. God said blessings or curses, depending on whether you obey God's word, but Habakkuk saying the opposite to be true. And so he calls out, how long will you tolerate this? And so God responds to Habakkuk. And God tells Habakkuk, actually, you better take a seat for this one. Because God answers Habakkuk in the unexpected. Uh, have a look there at verse 5. Uh, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. Uh, God responds to Habakkuk's concern and complaint and says, he will judge his people for their wickedness. Their rebellion curses are coming. And God says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians or, or the Chaldeans, depending on your uh, translation. Uh, it's, this, it's the same, same, same place, same people. Uh, God's going to raise them, the Babylonians, to judge his people. You see, 
God answers Habakkuk's prayer. God says, I will judge them. But he actually does it in unexpected ways. He'll judge his people for, but he's going to do that using a wicked pagan nation, a nation that has no regard for God. They're self-seeking. They glorify, they glory in themselves. In, in verse 11, I'm not sure if you notice that, their strength uh, is their own God. Uh, God will raise up the nation of Babylon to judge his people. And this really shocked Habakkuk, as we'll see uh, in our next section. Uh, uh, but sure, God is answering uh, Habakkuk's prayer but it's not how he would have expected God to answer it. Maybe he thought God would strike the king dead or send a plague like he'd kind of done in the past or that he'd do something else. But to send Babylon, the the pagan, wicked king? You see, God was answering his prayer in, in unexpected ways. And you see, it's the same for us. God can answer our prayers in unexpected ways too. One of the difficulties we might have is as we pray to God for things, uh, particularly godly and noble things, like, you know, we want to pray for our friend's salvation. We would love them to know the Lord Jesus. Or we pray that God would help us grow in patience and graciousness. Who doesn't need that at the moment? that we ask God to to make wise decisions. And and we ask God for these things, these good and godly things, things that he actually wants us to have. But then we prescribe the answer we want to those prayers. We prescribe the answer. We expect God to answer our prayers in a particular way. I want my friend to come to know Jesus. Just after I tell him straight away the gospel, bang, hey, that's what I would like. But actually, maybe God has other things in mind before that happens. Or or we plead with God, please end COVID-19. But we see in the Bible that God can answer prayers by allowing things to become much worse before they get better. Sometimes God does the opposite of what we would anticipate. God might overwhelm us by confronting us with a Babylonian army or confronting us with our sin or even COVID-19 before he directly answers our prayer. And so God might be using COVID-19, a global epidemic, to be leading people, many people, to faith. He might be using great hardship and suffering to lead people to Christ or to grow us in in patience and grace and wisdom. You see, God can answer prayers, our prayers, in unexpected ways. It's kind of like, say, going on a bushwalk. Say you say this bushwalk you've done it many times, and it normally takes you two hours. Uh, But this one time you kind of went, actually it took you six hours. Because along the way, one of the friends you went with, he's he's diabetic, and then he had a hypo. And so you actually need to stop, have a rest, he needs to take in some sugars. But also on this same walk, you decided to stop at this lookout and it was beautiful and you just spent heaps of time really soaking in the view, uh, reflecting on God's wonderful creation and thanking him for it. And then on the, on the home stretch, with 10 minutes to go, you twist your ankle 
And so the final 10 minutes actually takes you an hour. And while your bushwalk has these unexpected twists and turns, you've still gone on your bushwalk. You've still enjoyed yourself despite your foot and despite the unexpected. You see, God answered Habakkuk's prayer. And, and it was an answer of, yes, I will judge my people. But God answers them. God answers Habakkuk in unexpected ways. Well, God has told Habakkuk to take a seat because he's about to hear an unexpected answer. He's not going to believe it, but he's going to raise up Babylon to judge his people. God will use Babylon as an unexpected instrument. And so why is Babylon such an unexpected instrument? Well, you could actually argue that as a pagan wicked nation who worship other gods, actually they are far worse than Judah, the people he's judging. Have a look there uh, from verse uh, 6. They are a ruthless, impetuous people. That is, they move forcibly, rapidly, without any thought or care. Uh, They sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. You see, Babylon were an uncontrollable war machine. They swept across land, defeating city after city in their wake, expanding their empire. We see the imagery there in verse 8. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They were swift. They devoured anyone in front of them. Nothing could stop them. They advanced on their objectives of overtaking cities and nations with precision and efficiency. They were good at warfare and wiping out nations. And it's what we see from the history books, actually. Uh, Babylon destroyed Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria were the the superpower before Babylon. Uh, Assyria were the superpower, and as Babylon defeated Assyria, they became the next superpower. And Babylon destroyed Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, in 612 BC. And then seven years later, in 605 BC, they took out Kirkamish and, and Hamath, two cities in one year destroyed. And in the next year, in 604 BC, in Palestine, they defeated uh, Ashkelon. And, and at this point, it's only 75 kilometres from the capital of Judah, of, of Jerusalem. You see, Babylon's fame is an all-destroying war machine God knew about that. And certainly the king of Judah, Jehoiakim, he would have been aware of that too. I'm sure he shook in his boots. And I'm sure that Habakkuk was also aware. You see, the rumours about how frightening Babylon were would have preceded them. And in fact, those rumours frightened and weakened their victims' will to resist before they arrived. 
And God says, he has raised up Babylon. They are an unexpected instrument that God will use to judge his people. But do see that they were an instrument. They were an instrument in God's hand. God summoned Babylon. He raised them up to judge his people. We see that in Jeremiah. I've got another passage there uh, from Jeremiah 25. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord. And I will bring him against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and groom, the sound of millstone and the light of the lamp. Did you notice there in Jeremiah that it is God who summons Babylon? God brings them to judge his people. And and after mentioning Babylon, the pronouns, they change. They all become the first person. Did you notice that? I will do this. I will do this. I will do this, God says. You see, God is the one who is judging his people for rebelling against him for rejecting his word. And God is the one who uses Babylon, an unusual instrument, but a rod in his hand nonetheless. You see, God raised Babylon as this unexpected instrument to judge his people. And you see, that is how God has worked in the past. Uh, God raised up Assyria, the the, the former superpower. Uh, He, uh, in Isaiah 10, Assyria is just, as the club, the bat, the the stick, the rod of wrath uh, uh, in God's hand to judge his people. But you see, a, a serious problem, just like Babylon's, was that they were full of pride. They thought they were the almighty ones. Again, in verse 11, it says they were guilty. This is talking about Babylon. They were guilty people. They're guilty people whose strength is their God. See, they were arrogant and full of pride that they thought they were doing all this instead of seeing that it was God who was using them for his purposes. Uh, We will go in a bit more further into their pride and arrogance and their sin of Babylon's uh, in chapter 2. But God shows throughout the Bible that he uses strange and unexpected instruments uh, to bring about his purposes. If God can use Babylon, And if God can use a donkey, Balaam's donkey, well, God can use any instrument, no matter how strange or unexpected he might be, to bring about his purposes. And this is really relevant for us today. Because according to the Bible, much of what's happening in the world today, we've got to see that with the same light. You see, all those things I I mentioned and raised last week, COVID-19, the situation happening in our church, any other thing that causes us to suffer or trials that we face, all of these things 
are an instrument used by God to deal with us, his people. God has used these things to, uh, can use these things, might use these things to judge us, to, to, to rebuke us. He might use these to, to grow us, to bring our people to faith, that people may have a greater knowledge and understanding of him and his son. God can use these things that we can depend on him further, that we will depend on him entirely rather than depending on our wealth and our, and our possessions and to long for the kingdom that is to come. And while we don't know why these things are happening, we can see that God does use strange and unexpected instruments and events to bring about his purposes. And that all include things that we least expect, like Babylon, even COVID-19. And so we need to get our thinking right here. We need to view these things in the right light. Otherwise, our prayers will be wrongly conceived. Our prayers will be wrongly directed. We need to realise that it's possible for God to use suffering and hardship even COVID-19, for his own purposes. You see, the world is not spinning out of control. This is an activity that he, he has actively brought this on. We don't know why, but Habakkuk teaches us clearly that God can use unexpected instruments to bring about his purposes. Well, God can answer our prayers unexpectedly. And God can use unexpected instruments. And finally, we'll see that the unexpected doesn't mean that it's impossible for God. You see, God did raise Babylon to judge his people. He can, he has used, and he will use what seems to be impossible, what we may conceive to be impossible, God can use them to achieve his good purpose. And so when Habakkuk when he declared this prophecy, his oracle, to the people of his day, when he first declared this truth, like de- declared this word from God, I am sure that there were many people who scoffed, who rejected the very idea. Have a look there again at verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. And while Habakkuk, he believes God, but others who would have heard these words, well, they would have rejected it as if God would use the Babylonians. God would never do that. They might say there's no real danger. Don't listen to Habakkuk. He's just crazy. Keep calm. Carry on. Prophets, they're just always alarmists, aren't they? They're always threatening people with evil. (laughs) The very idea that God could be raising a Babylon to judge his people. What a joke. That is crazy talk. That's impossible. But you see, the problem for God's people, as history showed, was that they, they never believed the prophets. They rejected the prophet's word again and again. And this attitude actually goes far back as the flood when people carried on as if nothing would happen and then the world was flooded. Or Sodom and Gomorrah, who wouldn't believe that God would destroy their cities, thinking that God would never do that. God will continue to tolerate our evil behaviour. 
but they were wiped out. And even Joseph's brothers, who heard about the dreams of, of them bowing down to Joseph, as if they mocked him, they sold him off as a slave, as if they'd bow down to their brother. And in Habakkuk's time, God did raise Babylon. He did judge his people. They were attacked. They were conquered. They were brought down. They were taken away into captivity. You see, another example comes to us in the book of Acts, actually. In Acts chapter 13, Paul's speaking in the synagogue uh, on the Sabbath. And after explaining that Jesus uh, is the promised saviour, the one sent by God, He's the one who was killed by people. Yes, he died, but he rose from the dead. And because he's been raised from the dead, forgiveness is being preached in his name. And for those who believe, well, they can be set free from their sin and declared right in God's sight. And while this seems impossible, it's God's way of saving people. And in that passage, In Acts chapter 13, Paul quotes Habakkuk. He quotes Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 and he applies it to the people listening. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. You see, God continues to do the unexpected by sending the the promised saviour, Jesus, who dies in place of humanity and for their sin. But see, death did not keep him down. He was raised to life and he gives life to those who believe, who trust him. You see, Paul warns the people in Acts 13, And in fact, we're warned today that God has done the unexpected in sending his son to die in our place and has raised him from the dead. Jesus did not see decay. His body did not rot. He is raised from the dead and he is truly the saviour, the promised king, the one who forgives, provides forgiveness and justification for those who believe. And whilst it's unexpected, It is not impossible for God. You see, this is a warning for us. It's a warning that final judgment is coming uh, when God will eventually right all wrongs. But are we ready for it? Are uh, Are you ready for Jesus to return in judgment? Or do you scoff at the idea that uh, Jesus being the saviour of the world? Do you laugh at the idea of, uh, of judgment? I've not done anything wrong. I'm a good person. But we do need to listen to these warnings because we're being warned so that we don't end up like the scoffers in the judgment heap. For the rest of us, Habakkuk has been teaching us that God acts and does things in ways that we least expect. But that doesn't mean that God's not in control. It just means that God's using the circumstances we find ourselves in, he's using them for our good. Even when it's contrary to how we thought things might happen. 
And so how do we respond when the unexpected happens? Well, let's respond by continuing to trust God. Even through great difficulty, you see, God is using the unexpected to grow us in the Lord, to lead us to repentance and faith and a deeper longing for the new creation. And remember, Jesus, as we saw in John's gospel, has prepared a room for us in heaven, for us who believe. He's prepared that place even though we suffer greatly. But you see, that unexpected suffering leads to wonderful glory. Well, let's, let's pray, shall we? Uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God Almighty, we give you great thanks for your word. We thank you so much that it teaches us uh, that the unexpected that we may feel, that the unexpected things that we see in life aren't unexpected to you, but are part of your uh, good purposes, even if we don't understand what they are. Father, we do pray that um, as we go through difficult situations, COVID-19, the stuff going on at church, any difficulty and hardship that we find ourselves in, uh, that we would be trusting in you, particularly knowing, uh, trusting that you are in total control of all things, uh, that you are uh, answering our prayers, even though in unexpected ways and using unexpected instruments, but doing so to draw us closer to you, uh, to grow us in our faith and trust in you. And we do pray that through that we would have a greater, uh, a greater trust in you uh, through these things. Grow us, we pray, to be more like Jesus despite the, the difficulties and unexpected hardships we find ourselves in. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.